this is ChaosCast, the Chaos Community Podcast where we share use cases and experiences with measuring open source community health, elevating conversations about metrics, analytics, and software from the Community Health Analytics Open Source Software, or short Chaos Project, to wherever you like to listen. Welcome to this episode. This podcast is sponsored by our friends at Sustain, a community of open source enthusiasts and professionals that care about the future of open source. Learn more at sustainoss.org. My name is Venia, and I am more than happy to join two other great metrics analysts to discuss today's topic, starting with Daniel Esquerda. Hey, everyone. This is Daniel. How are you? So happy to be here to have this opportunity to share with you experiences and thoughts on metric strategy. So I've been in the chaos community since its very inception back in 2017. Then I'm currently holding the position of CEO at Viterdia, and I'm, I'm a member of the board of directors at the Inner Source Commons. And Sean Doggins. Hi, I'm Sean. I'm a member of the chaos board and co-founded it with Daniel back in 2017. And I'm also a computer science professor at the University of Missouri, and I coordinate the risk and evolution working groups uh, here at Chaos. Wonderful. Thank you both so much for joining me. I'm particularly excited for this episode. We talk a lot on Chaos Cast and across all of Chaos. It's what we do about how to implement and use metrics, what exactly to measure. And a lot of times we get up in the clouds, we get into the, all of the exciting stuff. How should you measure it? What should you do? But eventually, communities have to hit the road and they have to actually build the infrastructure and start measuring in order to succeed and grow and create these healthy communities we love talking about. So that's what this episode is going to be about. Just kind of picking your brains, if you don't mind, with the implementation side of the metrics journey. And we're going to talk about a variety of different communities from very small getting started all the way to larger. So just to get started, I'd like to talk a little bit about what your strategies and what your frameworks are. But before we can talk about that, what goes wrong when people start to build a lot of metrics? What are some pitfalls or some issues that we can maybe solve later? So that's indeed a very good question. So my background is computer science, right? And the thing is that when you are able to produce things, when you have the skills to start building stuff, the good point is that you can reach certain levels, certain understanding of the of whatever you have behind the scenes, right? In the, in the several data sources, we can go for any of the usual suspects, as GitHub or GitLab, the Lassian stack, etc. But this is another point against having these skills, because the, the thing is that when you start measuring stuff, then for the pleasure of having metrics and gathering data, then if you don't have a proper idea of where you'd like to go, then you start having a bunch tons of metrics and, and KPIs and discussions with not a, a proper purpose in place. So having this purpose, having this framework is very important. So I would try, if you think of starting your journey with metric, with gathering data, with improving that data, creating the data and visualizing that, try to think in the first place about what are you trying to achieve? Because one of the usual anti-patterns that we can say that we've seen in, in the last years is that because you are able to gather those visualizations, those metrics or KPIs, 
then you try to use them for any kind of purposes, for any kind of goals that you are trying to achieve. While perhaps we should start thinking about what are you trying to achieve as a community, as an organization investing in open source, having an OSPO maybe, and then think maybe of the mockups, how you want to visualize this, how you would like even others to consume that data. And then you will have the answer for the metrics that you will have on the table that you should, you should have at the end in your journey. I would add to that. I think people who start with chaos and look at the now over 70 released metrics that we have, I think it's easy to become overwhelmed by those metrics. And one of the things that Daniel spends a lot of time on is, I would say, correct me if this is the wrong analogy, but you really hold the hands of open source software companies that are trying to understand their ecosystem to help them walk through the process of deciding what's important by, for them by asking them, what is the problem that you're trying to solve? What are the questions that you have? And then helping them to select metrics that are useful to those ends. That's indeed uh, a very good point. So probably the, the very first question that we have, and, and we've done initially in the chaos community is, so what is this metric for? Why do we want this metric here, right? And this is where we, we came with the idea in chaos specifically of the focused areas. When we started with the working group, right? The very first one of them were the diversity and inclusion. So then we thought about having this way of structuring the information. So then we have like the focused areas then we had the questions. And then finally we had the, the metrics that are in reality, like this idea of the goal question metric approach. So first starting from a more theoretical conceptual perspective. And then going into the details for the metric. Going back indeed to, to your comment, the, the first part of the comment with customers in Viteria specifically, the experience is exactly that one. So of course, depending, so there are, there are more sophisticated people in the metrics discussion, and they've been already dealing with metrics and they really know what to do. But there are other cases where they, they are looking for advice about the best usage of those metrics. So because they understand that if they misuse them, if they have certain wrong assumptions or so, what you are reporting to upper management, to the open source communities and so on, might be like a pushback suddenly, because then, and specifically to the context of metrics, because they may say, well, this data is, is not the data we were looking for. Maybe this data is wrong. Maybe the assumptions you are doing are wrong. So that's why we advise initially into, well, we learn what they've been producing initially. And then the next question, once the typical meeting is people present their work, so their metrics and so on is, okay, so then what are you trying to achieve with each of them? Okay, so what's the goal that you are having this? And then we start discussing mostly about the business goals, being part of an OSPO or as a community manager or as a foundation. And then that matching between the goal and the metrics, that's the fun part, because then this is the point in time where you realize well, maybe this metrics is not exactly the good one to say this is the metric for this specific goal. So then this is where further discussion takes place. And then maybe you tune a bit, you polish a bit the metric, or maybe you start with some other different discussion totally. Yeah. And I'm listening to a lot of these pitfalls and a lot of these problems that a lot of companies have with Patergia or implementing chaos metrics. And one other does kind of crop up to me between all of those, which is people doing the thing and uh, having the measurement plan uh, just kind of as an aside, as a secondary situation. And then they're like, yeah, we're pretty sure it's going to be measured like this. We'll get there when we come to it. 
and then they do the thing. And then at the end of it all, now they're like, wait a minute, this metric didn't add up or it didn't have enough implementation for us to actually report correctly, or it's just not there. Is that another typical issue that you tend to see in your clients at Patergia? I would say yes. And the thing is, let me bring a use case here. So let's imagine about the concept of commit. Probably we are three people in this meeting now. Each of us may have a different definition of what a commit is. Because we may have commit by a good measurement of commit. Because we can have commits done by human beings. We may have commits done by bots. We may have certain identities that are committing things on behalf of a bot and a human being. And then we may have even commits as merges and so on that are kind of commit, but maybe not. So if you are measuring the number of commits for a given organization or a given open source project and so on, are you measuring, what's your definition of commit, right? So are you measuring commits only for both, only for human beings, only for those? Can you detect indeed kind of automated commits so then you can remove them from the equation? So that specific discussion is pretty useful to have because then people will bring to their minds this understanding of, well, there are different ways to measure what a commit is. So if we look at the chaos metric for commits, there are filters that you can put on it. So for example, I think part of what you're talking about is when I merge a pull request, I get credit for a commit on that merge. Or when I do a commit merge on two branches, I get credit for a commit there as well. And there are tactics for removing those kinds of commits because they don't reflect the contribution of code so much as the administration of the project. Absolutely, indeed. And then even more, if the purpose of the commit, how you are measuring this and the purpose of that is, is another key discussion, probably. I remember at the back, probably 2013 or 14, at the, some years ago, at the OpenStack Summit in, in Hong Kong. So we were presenting some of the very first steps of the dashboards that we were producing back in time. We had in front of us a couple of people. One of them was really keen into the idea of gamification. So hey, we really need to have this list of companies participating and producing commits, specifically commits or code reviews or any kind of other traces for the OpenStack, because this is going to give like an overview of who is who in the community, who is leading technically the project, et cetera. And then we had another person in front of us discussing exactly the opposite, like Gamification is something that uh, this person shouldn't advise about because this is kind of producing the mixing feelings. And the thing is that if you have the metric, then you can start cheating on metrics. So then is that gamification that useful? So depending who you have in front of you, maybe. So why are you using these metrics for, right? What I like to tell people about gamification is the instant you begin measuring something and measuring people related to something, they play the game to optimize their scores on whatever it is you're measuring them on. And so gamification is inevitable. And I think your point is that we can make the gamification something fun instead of something manipulative. Yeah. Daniel's nodding his head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Not visible on audio. <laughs> <laughs> I think another common issue that we tend to have uh, following with gamification is not just the concerted effort to gamify the analytics and the stacks the second they become public. This is how you become successful in this community. But there's also a uh, creeping longitudinal problem of veterans and people who are there for a long time kind of setting the agenda 
so that newcomers into a community can't work. So a lot of times people will build a gamified system and they're like, this works great. And then six months down the line, they're like, what happened? And it was because the gamification processes that they'd selected don't degrade. So now new users cannot get a foothold over veterans. What we've seen in the past is that, well, based on our experience in this case, so gamification is useful to push developers to behave in a certain way. And once that they behave in that way, then you can remove that reward in somehow and say, now we are slightly modifying the metric into something different. So this is pretty useful, for instance, if we move into a more corporate environment where maybe people are, I don't know, concerned about becoming too public, into becoming an open source contributor, being transparent with their contributions and so on. That happens. And the thing is that initially, if you have full support from the organization, as because you are part of an OSPO or an inner circle, an office as well, the point is that you want your people to collaborate and be transparent with others, right? So then how you can get this? So gamification probably is a good point about this to, to have maybe your kind of rocket start. So then you can, you know who they are. So then people can go there and ask for a specific question for a specific advice and so on. In any case, in the case of the gamification, what we try to advise about this, again, based on experience, but probably you have a, a different opinion here, but is that first try to developers to have certain ownership on the metrics themselves. Because if from a team perspective, it doesn't matter if this is a corporation or an open source project, a community, if everyone buying the, the concept of the metric, how this is defined, basically they'll use that metric for the purpose that that metric was supposed to happen. So maybe because you are trying to foster collaboration or maybe because you want to highlight certain aspects of the community. Then at the same time, instead of focusing on individuals, just to avoid specific individuals' activity or so, work at the level of teams. Maybe in the case of open source projects, you can work at the level of projects or so with the goal, basically, of having this anonymization of the data in somehow. And then you are making decisions based on the team's performance. This is not even to have a benchmark of the different teams or the different open source projects or so, but basically to self-assess if you are improving. So then you can have the delta between your behavior some months ago and nowadays, and then from nowadays to the future. But then this delta, that's the key thing to have in mind because the delta is the, the metric, the KPI that is defining where you are going to, right? The, the path that you are walking. One of the things I've observed along those lines is that, of course, every project actually has its own distinct culture. And my observation is those cultures tend to fall into maybe three broad categories. One is where you have a, a maintainer who wants to tightly control engagement from anyone outside of a core group. And you see a lot of pull requests rejected from folks outside that core group. And the core group largely remains the primary collection of contributors, often three to five or seven people. And then you have the community builder who recognizes that they need as much help as they can get. And that person becomes more of a shepherd using the metrics to encourage people to contribute more. And that certain amount of contribution leads to elevation, perhaps to contributor or maintainer status in the project. And then somewhere in the middle is. I would say the conflicted maintainer, where perhaps they have pressure from an organization that they work for that leads them to want to expand, and yet a difficulty letting go of something that 
for so open source software, many times the maintainers, the creators, they don't only have a work investment in that, but they also have a reputational, and I think in some cases, an emotional investment. So helping people use metrics to make their communities better and also as a point of reflection for their own leadership is that would be the ideal case. I don't know how often that happens, but that I think much of what you're describing, I think sort of trying to peel back the layer on the humanity behind these projects. Wow. (laughs) There's so many different things that we've discussed here. And just as a reminder, because we've kind of gone over a few of them, I'd like to go ahead and take a short list. For those of you who are listening, this is also going to be in the episode description, just to make it a little bit easier. But we're discussing a lot of pitfalls, a lot of things that can go wrong when implementing your metrics, from getting over the feeling of being lost in the data people just jumping straight into the information and the data without really having a goal and a mindset for where they're planning to go. I think something that was also mentioned was assuming that community is going to work on the same metrics regardless of that community's culture and choosing those metrics early on in a project, but never changing as you move through that project. All of these potential issues really create a big problem for communities who are trying to grow, trying to develop, and trying to build those metrics. So now, because you're both wonderful experts on this topic, maybe it's a good idea for us to turn to shine a spotlight on those frameworks that you mentioned earlier, the idea of the goal question metric process that Patergia is using and Chaos's curated fashions for selecting metrics. What are some frameworks that you have found work really well for building and deciding metrics, for building policies that ensure that those occur, and then also a good framework for benchmarking over time so that you can measure and change your metric strategy as your communities grow? I guess it's a three-part question, and we can probably start with deciding metrics. Well, I want to bring a bit of background in chaos history here. So when we started back in 2017, part of the discussions we had at that moment in time were, well, we had this more conceptual discussion about the metrics, and then we have the software. Some companies indeed donated the software to, or well, initially the the brand, right, to the Linux Foundation, as as Viteria did with Grimoire Lab specifically, and some others. And we were trying to put together like a, a common way of working. So we were people coming from a university, from companies, someone really technical people, others really academic background and so on. And when we all started discussing around the whole question metric approach, it, it was like something that I would say fit into everyone's expectations. And Sean, you can bring some more context here, definitely. But this concept of the goal question metric approach as a way to have further discussions on metrics was really useful. I don't know, Sean, what do you think? I think we did not have that at the outset. And so we ended up in, I can recall in the summer of 2017 and 18, very long email threads about what is a commit and some really impassioned discussion about what is a commit that Honestly, I never would have anticipated was a thing because perhaps I'm naive. And I think the goal question metric approach has helped us when someone wants to measure something, it helps us back it up and say, what are we trying to accomplish with this metric and whom does it serve and how might it be applied? And more recently in chaos, we've started to develop something called metrics models. 
which are effectively, we're now looking at how do organizations or individual community managers consume the metrics that are chaos metrics and essentially in what groupings do they consume them? So when somebody consumes a dozen chaos metrics for the purpose of assessing health in their organization at a point in time, we've started to describe and release those as what we call metrics models. And those metrics models tend to correspond with two things. One, the general interest of the person responsible for measuring the project. And those interests can range from increasing project growth or managing overwhelming project growth or tamping down project growth as something becomes stable. So depending on where a project is in the life cycle, different collections of metrics are more meaningful than others. And so I think the one really important takeaway from what Daniel said is not every collection of metrics is suitable to every organization. In fact, these things tend to be very unique to a situation. Absolutely. I have a PhD in, in, in free software engineering indeed, and I discovered the cold question metric approach. But by the way, I was looking through Wikipedia and so on, the Basili from the University of Maryland back in 1984, about the software quality and, and this context. And as I was, you know, producing a lot of metrics when I was doing my PhD, the thing is that I needed like a theoretical framework to put order in my life to, to say, okay, I need something that is somehow giving me the tool or the framework to be able to, to defend in somehow the, the kind of metrics that I'm gathering, right? And the goal question metric approach was specifically useful for that purpose. And what you said, uh, Sean, it is absolutely true. And for the purpose of the chaos community, this has been a really great tool and useful tool. So then we are using, I would say, the same vocabulary. So when we are discussing about goals, what goals mean, right? So then we can think of what they mentioned before, right? As, as corporation goals, business goals, community goals. And each of the projects that you are analyzing that we are part of, they have their own peculiarities. They have their own specifics, even the, their own way of developing software, their own way using labels, either in GitHub or Jira or any of the infra that is out there. So given this, then of course, you can start discussing about the, that a metric that is useful for a community or a set of metrics or even models or maturity models or quality models that are useful at one point for one community are probably not useful for others. And that's probably the beauty of open source, that we know how to work all together, but then at the same time, we are all different and we can all bring our own point of view. And that's definitely awesome. Yeah. I really love what you just said about goals, where uh, you really need to consider from a variety of different perspectives and a variety of stakeholders, but also recognize that sometimes simple is better. So you want to consider what's the individual goal of the person who's responsible for the project or the goals of the community at large, and do they contest with the individual responsible? And then what are the output goals? Obviously, something is happening with this community. Something is coming through. What exactly are the goals of that for, especially when it comes to open source software communities? I kind of like this trend of just kind of breaking down the goal question metric. And then I'd like to do that again with the metric models for chaos, if possible. And to kind of kick that off when it comes to question for uh, goal question metrics, something that I frequently use because we develop goals and I come from a full stack community management and marketing background. So most of my clients, they don't have the software know-how or the database generation know-how to really get things done. 
But oftentimes I find that people get stuck at the implementation phase with the questions. They've got all the questions. They're happy to answer all the questions, but then they look at it and they go, do I have to answer them all? And well, no, because the information is always going to be there for you to answer those questions later. You can answer them later when they become relevant. So for the uh, goal question metric system, I would also propose in the question phase specifically another acronym that kind of goes in, which is QIA, question, information, expected answer. And this allows you to structure which questions are most important because you now have a question. And if the expected answer is vague, why are you trying to answer that in reality? That's an excellent point that when you're asking people to do metrics analysis, getting to what it is they want, it sounds like a conversation like, Imagine your project in five years, describe what it is, and then you can back them through the metrics. One small point I wanted to make is that before chaos, open source software measurement was a little bit of a tower of Babel, if I can use a biblical reference, where everybody had a different language and different interpretations of the same concepts. And chaos has a taxonomy now. I'm not saying that all of our metric definitions are exactly correct or the right ones or the ones that everyone would come up with. There's no open source universe consensus around those definitions, but they are consistent. And that consistency enables those kinds of discussions I think that you and Daniel are talking about, Vina. While open source software today is powering critical infrastructure, the open source ecosystem as a whole is rapidly changing. Facing challenges for governance, maintenance, maintainer burnout, funding, marketing, and more. Are you concerned about these things for your open source software too? Well, in the Sustain community, we discuss these challenges and share solutions for how to sustain open source in the long haul. We meet once per year in person, and the rest of the time we keep the fire burning in our discourse forum. Join our conversations at sustainoss.org and sustain OSS on Twitter. Yeah, we are indeed in chaos trying to build this. We can be seen in, in the near future as a standard in the industry to define things. The point is that at least we are building in chaos a common vocabulary that can be used across any of the open source or inner source ecosystems that we are aware of. And then mm, chaos can be referenced easily. The tools can be referenced easily as well. They can be used. Everything is open source and, and people can include any of the definitions, the working groups, goal, question, metrics, etc. we are defining, just taking it because it has an open, an open source license. And that's absolutely great. So having this genius way of defining things, defining concepts, the, having the common vocabulary, that's something that we've been dealing at the very beginning with and when, when we started Viterdia with customers, because I remember having discussions about, well, if you have a commit, I think you, for instance, in OpenStack, I remember some discussions there that commits should be gathered from the Gerrit community, from the Gerrit uh, tool specifically. But in Gerrit, what is happening there is the code review activity. It's true that you will see commits, but well, that depends. But what if we only take commits coming from Git repository? So maybe you may have abandoned processes, code review processes in Gerrit. So then that commit that we discuss about never ex exists, never uh, that doesn't exist in, uh, anymore. Uh -huh. So what do we do? 
Yeah. And I think that kind of brings us back to the questions are always going to be like this larger cloud of like, what do you have? And you have to select those specific questions before ever really selecting the metrics, which I think is chaos again, over 70 of them. So it really helps to have a framework to really decide which metrics specifically. But I guess that kind of brings us to the M in the GQM process. How do you actually go about, based on one specific question, picking out a suite of metrics that might explain that? Do you have one specific key performance indicator and then a few descriptors? Or do you just select three main metrics? What do you recommend? I think that takes us back to the question you asked a short time ago, Vini, about how do you work with people to get the metrics selected? And it feels a little bit like you're in my therapist's office now, but you know, it's a little bit like, well, how do you imagine your life in five years? What are the things that are in the way of your success? I think those kinds of high-level questions that are good prompts for helping people decide what they want to measure. The way we work with customers specifically when working on their metric strategy is to understand their context. Because if you propose something very different to whatever they are doing nowadays, basically you'll get like a pushback, right? In, in the discussion. So what we do is, hey, let's have this discussion together. Let's discover what you are currently doing, the, the, the KPIs that are really useful for your work. Because maybe you are a you know, developer advocate, maybe you are a member of a foundation, maybe you are part of an OSPO, right? So different people, different goals. And then what we do is, well, if you think about, well, we have Grimoire Lab in this case, if we think about a specific technology or any of the projects that we have in, in Chaos. So what we are providing, specifically in the case of Grimoire Lab, which is what I know, is a place, a centralized place where you can go and fish your own metrics at some point, right? So this is the place, a database full of metrics that are being curated and there is a, a project manager or, or a technical people that are taking care of with the goal of saying, well, each time I need a new metric, I'll go there and I'll check if I'm able to gather that data. If not, maybe I need to add more data. I need to massage a bit the the data models we may have or so. But the thing is that once you understand that you have one place where you can go and take all of the metrics that you are interested in, then it's not a matter of having all of the metrics at the same time. It's a matter of having the right metrics. So then we go to the discussion of the questions. And this is where we almost put our customers in front of a mirror and say, what do you care about? So do you care about maybe, I don't know, impact? or influence in the community or goals that we may discuss about. And then if we enter into the discussion into for, for the questions, then you go to the next level. And then for the questions is, how are you currently measuring impact? That's one thing. But then the other thing is, what would you really like to measure for impact? So what are you trying to achieve here? So maybe if you are, are we attracting enough number of new developers, enough number of new users or newcomers joining the community? organizations or so, what do you mean by users? Maybe we may have different definitions there. So it's again about drilling down into the vocabulary that the, the, this person in front of you, the customer is using. So then basically our work is to take note of everything, let's say. So then we have at the end a common vocabulary that we can share with the rest of the organization. So others can go and take advantage of that specific framework. And then we went into the questions, right, Vinya? Yeah, I think that's right. 
There's one other constraint that Vini and I have been chatting about in the text a little bit. And I know I've been involved in these situations where something happens either with a license or perhaps it's a mergers and acquisitions situation where all of a sudden the center of the metrics moves from community health to organizational health. How do I know what the inventory of licenses that I have in my open source software portfolio are and which one of them perhaps pose some kind of a risk? And so sometimes there's a, instead of an optimizing motivation, there's a defensive motivation that comes to play when people are building metrics. And I think in a lot of ways, it harkens back to dialectical tensions in an organization, which is a very common way of understanding clashes in values across different stakeholders. I think that lawyers and open source licensure and organizational safety tends to fall onto a conservative, is this going to get us in trouble? Are we going to be able to manage this? What is the licensure going to look like side of the conversation? And that's incredibly important to have. So there's this dialectical tension between authentic measurement and progress and development of your community and keeping the organization safe. I agree that that dimension comes into play. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of keeping it to implementation, right? How do you navigate and start that conversation to wrap in the organizational aspects in the course of your metrics building journey? So the way we proceed, and this is more like a probably a classic consultancy process, right? So we try to have interviews with different levels at different, at the same corporation. So we may go chief level, uh, middle managers, and then developers. When you discuss about metrics from the chief level perspective, they are giving you, let's say the strategy where the organization should be at some point, why they are using right the metrics. Maybe they are trying to gain visibility about what, what all of the teams are doing at the same time. Maybe they like to understand if there are certain need of resources here or there. Basically, they, from chief level perspective, they are they want to give the right tools for the right people at, at the at the right time, right? But then they are these developers are not blocked, and then they can move forward. But if you are working in a really huge corporation, to drill down into the details is really hard. But this is one of the goals that they have when measuring things, right? Of course, if they are in the process of becoming an an company or they are willing to to foster internal collaboration or they are moving into a DevOps environment, of course, they like to understand if that journey is taking place according to expectation. And for this, you need, again, to define KPIs and not only those KPIs at the level of management or so, but then at the level of development, because there are certain promises. If you go agile or if you do DevOps or if you do inner source, there are certain benefits. So are we having these benefits in reality? Can we measure those benefits? So from that perspective, if we go to the next level, which are the middle managers, then this is basically the defensive wall, right? Like, oh, we are working in this way, but we need to prove that we are valuable enough. So then this is where the defensive metrics may come and play and play in somehow. And so then the the goal of the middle management in general is a bit different from those on the top. So they are said, you should proceed and behave in this way. And then from the middle manager perspective, you should prove to upper management that you are behaving as they are expecting you to to behave, right? And then we have developers at the end where what they would like to do is something different from the other two in general. So probably they agree about the business lines, the the goals, et cetera. But then from an engineering perspective, what they like to do is to 
have the, the right tools to advance, to fix problems, basically, right? They are engineers, so they want to, to be able to solve all of the issues that they, they have in front of them. And for this, the metrics probably are much more engineering focused than if we go to middle managers that might be much more management and team level focus. And then if we compare to the chief level, which are really high level with two or three KPI. Yeah. Defensive metrics are something that happened. Have you had the experience, Daniel, where you've worked with an organization for a long period of time and they had these key performance indicators that they set out to measure at the beginning and actually experienced success in getting to where they wanted to go and then stepped back and wanted to reevaluate what were the metrics for the next phase of a project or a set of projects. And how does that conversation usually go? Because you don't get the metrics and then those are it for life, right? I would say there are two different types of customers. Those that are willing to learn how to build metrics, how to create metrics, and then they have like a deep understanding of what they are looking for. So then the only skill that they are missing is specifically, well, I need a tool that is giving me specific, the KPIs that I'm looking for, and probably I can produce them by myself. So that's one thing. So then specifically with Grimoire Lab, Viterge Analytic, which is the commercial product in this case, exactly the same as Grimoire Lab, by the way. But the thing, there are customers that they go and say, well, this is my metric strategy. So we have certain conversation with this person. So then we advise on, on the kind of metrics that we think should be implemented in somehow. And then this person may go and implement them. So having it's, this always happens like a first meeting with the person or, or team in charge of the data strategy or, or metric strategy. So then you discuss about what they are trying to achieve. You bring other experiences and then you have like a common agreement, like the next step is this one. Then it may happen that this organization is evolving as all of the organizations. It doesn't matter if this is a foundation or a corporation, but the thing is that after a while, they come back with new requirements. Like, well, now we have slightly changed. So then we'd like to measure this other thing and this other thing. So it's like starting from scratch the conversation, but at the same time building on top of the previous one that we had. Like, okay, we are evolving from point A to point B. So then the metrics, I don't know, maybe we'd like now to focus much more on volunteers than before, because before we wanted to focus much more on, on the engineering pace of development, perhaps. Those conversations take place. And then the second type of customers are mainly, they like to, so they are not experts in the field and they basically don't have the time to learn how to do things. So then they come to Viterdia specifically and ask for advice, like, well, we build together the business, the metric strategy, following the goal question metric approach, we, we apply on policies, we decide on certain axioms, et cetera. And then we develop those metrics. And then after we have like uh, two or three meetings per year where we are rediscussing basically the goals that they are following. So then we check if the metrics still make sense or not. So how do you check to make sure that the metrics make sense? Do you have a longitudinal benchmarking process over time where you're just watching them rise or decrease or rise or decrease? Are you doing a qualitative studies to determine whether or not community feedback is in line with the metrics reports. What kind of ways are you assessing whether or not they are still relevant? If we go for the most transparent way of working, this like an open source community, it's a mix of what you, what you mentioned. Like we have a specific feedback from the community. So the community itself is asking for specific metrics. 
like we'd like to see this or that. And then we try to gather that data and, and check if, well, because sometimes there's no way to gather the specific data that the community is, is willing to have. But we have that conversation. Then typically we may work at the level of the foundation level or, or a community manager level. They have different, of course, goals in discussion. But for this, I would say that this depends on what they are looking for, because based on your question, maybe there are two different answers. The first one would be, well, maybe the metric is not behaving as expected. So then we are looking at the results of the metrics itself. But then the other one maybe is that this definition of the metric doesn't fit with the new goal that we have in place. So then this goal question metric approach doesn't match. There's no matching. So basically we need to drop the metric. And then we need to gather a new one. We need to, to open certain discussion for a new one. Most of our customers, in any case, after the first strategy meeting, well, strategy meetings in place, the metric strategy and so on, that take two, three months, depending. Then that's the moment where they are kind of empowered to keep evolving the metric strategy by themselves. And so it's, it's like we, we empower our customers from a knowledge point of view and technological point of view. So then they are able to move forward even without that, if, if they prefer to go in that way. So at, at some level, as they become more familiar with metrics and consuming them, they're able to recognize the need to adjust either the benchmarks on particular metrics or the need to include metrics that complement the ones that they've been closely monitoring and are in, intimately familiar with. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's more or less the, the process. Maybe you are slightly modifying the existing metric. Maybe you are choosing different thresholds because maybe you may have different thresholds for a metric. If you are over that, that threshold, you are uh, doing terrific. But maybe if you are under that threshold, maybe you are doing terrible. So maybe the threshold should be higher or lower. Yeah, I often compare the perspective that organizations take when they're looking at metrics for development teams to sales compensation strategies that I used to program for organizations where every year they would change the compensation strategy in some fundamental way to encourage salespeople to sell the new product or sell more of the X product. And salespeople are excellent at figuring out what the incentive system is and adapting to it. And I think developers are far less focused on that, but changing metrics or changing benchmarks using metrics is part of helping the team move in a direction that somebody in a strategy role decides is the way to go. That's one of the things that we struggle with more in my area of expertise, uh, because I work primarily with brand communities who are looking at combining community management with marketing, with sales, making sure that there is an engagement pathway that does result in a community-generated lead. And I definitely agree. I think earlier on in this podcast, Sean, you were talking about the second you announce or release a set of metrics to the public, they're automatically going to go, all right, how can I gain this for my personal benefit? And a lot of times I feel like all of the discussions and implementation that we've discussed here, starting with goal, question metric, the QIA process, trying to figure out how your metrics relate to one another in a set model. All of these things kind of point to how can we make sure that sales representatives, developers, DevOps teams, all of these different stakeholders are capable of working together on a shared set of metrics to generate a healthy and viable and stable community rather than just people chomping at the bit. 
I agree with that. The other thing I've observed is that developers are creative people. They're in many ways scientific artists or mathematical algorithmic artists. And artists do not like to be evaluated by numbers. And so if those <laughs> metrics become too dominant in the culture, developers will either ignore them completely and not care, or they'll move on to a different organization. So there's a very fine line, especially with high-end developers, for we need to measure these things so that we understand how it's going in some way. But if we focus too much, we often find the people we want most want to keep engaged turned off a little bit. We see that with community members as well, especially when you're working with volunteer developers and stuff. It kind of gets really difficult because at a certain point, you're just like, I'm done playing the numbers game. Yeah, that's mainly our align with our advice. Like, try to avoid individual measurements and try to work at the level of the community or the project or system or subsystem. Because then that's much better. Basically, people, it's like, Problem is there. And then you and me, we are discussing about how to solve that problem. But the problem is not between you and me. The problem is out there. That's the thing. Well, this has been an absolutely wonderful conversation. Thank you both for giving us your time to discuss implementation. For all of the community managers and project leads out there who might be struggling with metrics, there is definitely a lot of conversation to be had inside of other Chaos Casts about this very same topic. Be sure to head over there. But we tend to end all of these sessions with a very specific session, a value add or picks from our personal lives or personal engagements. So kind of starting with you, Daniel, if that's okay, what is one big thing going on in your life that you have found as a major takeaway? In the last episodes that I've been around, I've brought into consideration some books I've, I've been reading. And those are mainly philosophical things. I've, I've been mostly in, into that lately. But I've rediscovered the book that I want to, to bring into to the audience, which is the uh, culture map. And the culture map is a way to, to understand how business is done across the, the whole world, either if you are coming from Asia the author I have this in, in front of me now is the culture map, decoding how people think, lead, and get things done across cultures. And the author is Erin Meyer. Great. This is absolutely great. If you have the chance to have a read it, it's great. This has opened my mind in different ways. And then this has confirmed maybe ways of behaving and understanding and, and talking to each other. Most of our business in, in the case of Vitergia is US-based. And even after, I know, nine years in the business, almost 10, I see that there are differences just in the way that we discuss things or we approach certain problems. So this book is great for, for all of these topics. Thank you so much for sharing. And uh, Sean, what about you? What's been going on in your life that so, like key takeaway? So I'm a huge American baseball fan and the team of my youth, the Milwaukee Brewers, are dominating the National League Central and looks like they're going to be I would guess they'll make it to the World Series. They'll beat the Dodgers or the Giants. So that's taken me back to a book called Big Data Baseball. And people who are familiar with data and baseball probably remember the Oakland A's Moneyball piece where they used a very simple statistic or a very beginning metric about on-base percentage that nobody had used to measure against what you pay to player to find high-value players. And it was a very simple model. 
In big data baseball, they talk about the early 2000, 2013, 14 Pittsburgh Pirates and how their data team found a whole new way of measuring defensive play in baseball. And they actually created statistics on their own, looking at what kinds of defensive positioning were most effective and got the manager to employ some very bizarre looking defensive strategies, like putting all the infielders on one side for certain batters that resulted in great success for the team. So it's an example of those hidden metrics, the ones you don't always classically look at, giving you a competitive advantage. And I think there's a bit of that buried in chaos. And the the story of the book is utterly compelling from a human perspective as well. That is absolutely fascinating. Gaming the game using big data. Yeah, it's big data baseball is the name of the book. That's awesome. It kind of reminds me a little bit way back when there was a conversation about looking at race horses and what actually determines a winning horse. And a lot of people were like, check their teeth, check their legs, check their strengths, check their competencies. And they ended up applying big data to discover that like specific race horses had like just one feature that really helped. Wow. That, that is also cool. Yeah. I think that mine kind of is an amalgamation of both of these. Learning and information has been an incredibly important part of my life. But recently I've had a lot of life changes, new career, new developments, new clients. And it's been really difficult for me to kind of keep an eye on things and maintain my mental health and keep progressing forward. So I did a thing where I created an information diet support group which is just a book club for the first half. So we have a piece of information that we work over together. And then the last half is just, let's talk about what's been going on in your career. It can be in the context of the book chapter or not. And then let's kind of help out. So I created my own information diet book club. It's a small little micro community specifically for information and learning and health. And I cannot recommend it enough for other people to build their own little communities. That's fantastic. That that sounds really interesting. All right. Well, thank you all so much for listening to this Chaos Cast. Again, there are plenty more about your metrics journey available at Chaos Cast. And you are also free to connect with Patergia and with Chaos through our various communication metrics. Thank you so much for joining us today. To stay up to date on future episodes, subscribe for free to this podcast on your favorite podcast app. Share this podcast with your friends and colleagues. And if you have ideas for future episodes or topics, we would absolutely love it if you were to even come on as a guest. To get that started, please email us at podcast at chaos.community. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. And until next time, your chaos community.